Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's sermon podcast. Today we hear from the Reverend Maggie Foote as she preaches from the lectionary, which was Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 8, 14 to 15, and 21 to 23. For more information about All Souls or to listen to more sermons, you can go to our website, which is allsoulsparish.org. Hope to see you around sometime. finally returned from that lovely sojourn into the bread of life discourse in John's gospel and we're plopped right back down into Mark more or less where we left off and wow it's not getting any easier I'll tell you that right now this morning when we encounter Jesus and the disciples they have been out and about while Jesus performs numerous miracles in the countryside the feeding of the 5,000 walking on water, and lots and lots of healing of sick people. You know, the kind of activities that really make you work up an appetite. So Jesus and his disciples sit down to eat, and the disciples just dig in without ritually cleansing themselves up to the elbows, which was customary for some in the Jewish community. Well, this doesn't sit well with the Pharisees, so they confront Jesus about it saying that the disciples are eating with defiled hands. Now, this has very little to do with actual cleanliness and everything to do with customs and traditions. Propriety, you could say. And this is precisely what Jesus is calling them out on. You hypocrites. You worship your human-made rituals more than you value God. Well, that's a sermon right there just by itself. But then Jesus goes on to say that it's not what goes into the body that defiles, but that evil intentions come directly from the human heart. Ouch. But let's just start with the first sermon, shall we? Because if I know Jesus, I'm sure that we'll find that they're related in the end. So problem number one is the disciples didn't perform a ritual cleansing before eating, rendering them defiled in the eyes of the Pharisees. They're up in arms about this because following these strict purity rituals helps them draw a line around who's in and who's out of their community. The Jews are a religious minority living in an occupied land. It's important for them to feel as though they have some semblance of control in the face of oppression. They have to do something to maintain their identity. I think it's for this reason that Jesus doesn't condemn the practice of ritual hand-washing itself. He never says that it's wrong or that they shouldn't do it. But what he does say, more or less, is that this ritual has started to mean more to the Pharisees than their relationship to the divine. This ritual, which may have begun with the pure intention of making oneself ready to receive the blessing of food to eat, has now become a tool to divide and exclude people. It has become a means by which they can say who deserves God's blessing and favor and who doesn't. But how do these seemingly neutral customs and rituals become tools for exclusion and division? Well, that's where Jesus sets us up for his second sermon. Because the things that defile come from within. For evil intentions come from one place and one place only. And that's the human heart. 
I told you, this one hurts. Jesus has our number. He has us figured out. He knows that over time, traditions and regulations, when grasped too tightly just for the sake of them, are perverted by our very nature. Well, that leaves me feeling a little bit hopeless. And it doesn't really get any better when I use Jesus' words as a lens through which to consider the world in which I find myself today. This happens in small ways and in big ways every day in our country and in our church. This confusion of history and tradition with virtue. The things that we've always done become valuable or meaningful simply because we've always done them, even after it becomes clear that they're hurtful or exclusionary. An example that comes to mind is the recent debate about sports mascots, specifically like using indigenous communities as a mascot, like the Washington Redskins or the Cleveland Indians. I remember reading an op-ed in the newspaper in Cincinnati when a local high school was considering retiring their mascot. And the gist of the article was that the person writing it felt like their connection to the history and legacy of the school through the sports mascot specifically was more important than the, quote, hurt feelings of a small group of people. While I won't claim that the use of mascots related to marginalized groups of people was ever neutral, it has certainly become more and more clear over time exactly how hurtful and damaging it actually is. And yet the urge exists to protect those mascots on account of the history that they represent, even in the face of new information and the testimony of marginalized groups which only in recent years have been given any attention. These are the things that defile, I think Jesus would say, these urges that come from within our own hearts to protect traditions, even at the expense of justice. Joel Marcus writes, the basic problem Christians should be concerned about, Mark seems to be saying through this striking pileup of the word anthropos, meaning human, is not how or what one should eat, but the internal corruption of the anthropos. It is this malignancy that chokes the life out of tradition turns it into an enemy of God, contorts it into a way of excusing injustice, and blinds those afflicted to it, by it to their own culpability for the evils that trouble the world. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. But I also think that that isn't the whole story. Yes, evil intentions exist within the human heart, and the more open and honest we can be about that, the better chance that we, ha we have that the goodness and love which also reside there will prevail. Because Jesus knows that the human heart also has the capacity for love. In chapter 12 of Mark's gospel, Jesus says in response to being asked which is the greatest commandment, the first is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Well, Jesus is not in the business of calling us to things of which we are not capable, 
and this commandment is no different. Jesus knows that within each of us there is a natural disposition towards self-righteousness or evil intentions. But also there is the capacity for love to change us, to move us from self-righteousness into mercy. And that change comes from seeking to love God and to love our neighbor. But that takes work. And part of that process is interrogating our own hearts, especially when we find that we are holding on to something a little too tightly, causing us to judge, shame, or exclude others. That's what Jesus is pushing back against this morning. It's not purity rituals or hand-washing that he cares about. It's when traditions are used to keep others out. When we leave our own hearts uninterrogated, we run the risk that the avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, and folly that live therein don't leave room for the love, justice, and mercy that also abide. Jesus knows that within our own hearts we carry all that which seeks to destroy. And we also carry all that which seeks to raise up. And he asks us to seek out that which makes all things new, the never-ending, unchanging love of God. And we won't and we don't get it right every time, and Jesus knows that. But that doesn't mean we can stop trying. Thank you.